Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rick. We, um, we have some of those My Five cards, don't we? Do we have any of those? Be great actually to get those out again because um, they are really, really, really good. Just having five names on a little card that's in your wallet or on your fridge or whatever that reminds you that these are five people that you're praying into the kingdom is really good. Brilliant. Um, we, last week I sort of gave you a little taster around the whole devotion to prayer around our new theme, which is presence. And the tagline of that is camping at the source. And this week we're sort of jumping right into that, all right? So um, 27 years ago when we uh, planted Emmanuel Church or when we started, we actually didn't really know we were planting a church. We just started to worship together. And, um, but we always wanted to be a presence people. That was the thing. The thing was that a place where the Holy Spirit would have freedom to move, where we'd be grounded in the Word, but we would have freedom of the Spirit. That was the whole idea. We actually, our initial name, we toyed with the idea of calling ourselves the Cross Community Church because we based it on the cross of Jesus. We wanted to work across two communities and um, this idea that the Word and the Spirit would, would meet. That, uh, because we know we live in a, in a country where they've been separated, where we've got the charismatics, um, and then we've got the heavy word, and it's almost like two camps. And it's not right. It's not right. The two should move together, the word of God and the moving of the Spirit, crossing over and moving together. Now, and we wanted to be a people that would be different, would focus on Jesus as the fulfillment, not just of our story, but the fulfillment of the great story, uh, which is the presence of God. And I don't know if you've ever had a, a head-turning experience, like one of those experiences where you've been home and you've said, you'll never guess what I saw, or you'll never guess who I saw. I was in Florida many, many years ago, and I bumped shoulders with this boy here, um, now, some of you won't have a bally clue who he is, but his name's Nigel Mansell, and I actually bumped shoulders with him in a mall in Florida, and he won the, he's a British world champion in Formula One, 1992, and I know some of you have just switched off right away, because he's not football and he's not rugby, all right? But um, <clears throat> in, in the passage that we're going to look at today, I'm going to talk to you. Last week, I talked to you about Daniel. This week, I'm going to talk to you about one of my favorite characters in the Bible, who is Moses. And um, I'm going to talk to you about a head-turning experience that he had. So we'll turn right to the Scriptures. It's Exodus 3. I'm, excuse me. I'm reading from the New King James Bible, and uh, um, it'll be on the screen, or if you want to follow along, the first 10 verses of chapter 3. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. 
Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. That's a lot of Zites, isn't it? There you go. And then he said, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now the Lord always blesses the reading, public reading of his word today is no different, so let's pray and ask him to do that. Lord, we Thank you for this incredible book. We thank you for these stories that give us hope and conviction. And so we say, speak, Lord, today. Your sons and your daughters are listening in Jesus' name. Now, let's start today by asking the big question whether head-turning experiences are with God are limited to Bible characters or whether we can still encounter the presence and power of God in our lives today. Can we still hear God's voice? Can we still experience God's glory? Can we feel his presence and respond to his call in our lives? Well, the answer to that, you'll be glad to know, is a resounding yes. Of course, we can. And in our passage, God is revealed as the God who appears to ordinary people in ordinary circumstances and reveals to them something that's extraordinary. And that's what I love about God. Now, um, Allow me to give you a little context to our passage just for a, a minute or two. Moses' life up to now had been a bit of a roller coaster. If you go back one chapter to chapter two and read the first 10 verses, you'll see how his life had risen spectacularly, really. He, had, he was from a son of a Hebrew slave, and he had moved to being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was lifted from an ark in bulrushes and placed in a palace of gold. He was um, born into a life of slavery, and now he's living in the lap of luxury. When you go to the last 20, um, probably about 14 verses, from about 11 to 25 of chapter 2, I didn't write it down, but I think that's where it is. It records to us in a moment of time, he had fallen spectacularly from that pinnacle of power to the pit of poverty, really. And um, so he went from 40 years of being a somebody to being 40 years to being a nobody and um, in a wilderness. So Moses was no stranger to the extraordinary of God. He had been delivered from certain death by, at his birth. He was adopted, as I've said, as Pharaoh's daughter into a royal family. He was raised in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he became a great communicator and a great leader. Now, I know he thought himself he couldn't talk, but if you read Acts 7.22, you will find that Moses was mighty in deeds and in words. Mighty in deeds and in words. So all this left a stamp in his life, which led to a momentous decision, because when he was 40 years old, at the peak of his career, when all seemed to have the world by his tail, he made a bit of a declaration that says, records for us in the great chapter of faith in Hebrews 11, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So he has decided to turn his back on the wealth and the power and the prestige of Egypt, refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Um, he chose to be identified with the Hebrew people. Now, when you read the story, you will find that he was probably shoehorned into it a little bit because he um, went out one day into the brick kilns and into the fields to see with his own eyes the oppressive slavery which under his Hebrew people were living under. And he saw one of his uh, comrades, one of his, the Hebrew slaves, been beaten by a taskmaster. And the anger rose in him. His blood boiled. And Moses did seem to have a bit of an anger problem. And he killed the guy. Not sure he intended to do that, but he did. Buried him in the sand. So the next day, he's out and he sees two Hebrew slaves having a little bit of a tiff with one another. And he steps in to try and um, mediate between the two of them. And verse 14 of chapter 2 tells us, one of them says to him, who made your ruler and judge over us? Do you intend to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And of course, at that moment, his life unraveled. Anger had led to murder, um, which led to rejection to the very people he tried to save. And it tells us in verse 15 of chapter 2, when, when Pharaoh heard about this, he wanted to kill him. He sought to kill him. So Moses fled for his life to the land of Midian, where he married Jethro's daughter, uh, verse 21 of chapter 2, and he tended the sheep in the wilderness, Exodus 3, 1, and there we're up to speed. That's the context of the story, all right? So 40 years have now passed, and instead of being Israel's savior, he's Jethro's shepherd. Instead of being successor to Pharaoh, he became the son-in-law of a priest. Instead of being the leader of a nation, he was leading sheep. Instead of being the ruler of a dominion, he was a roamer in a desert. And instead of being married to a princess, he was married to a shepherdess. Um, I'm not sure if your life didn't pan out the way you thought it might. Moses would be a good person to talk to. I think as he lay down to sleep at night, he must have looked up at the stars a thousand times and wondered where God was in all of this. As far as he was concerned, the God that he had given up everything to serve had effectively ceased to exist in his book. And um, he had only wanted to do what was right. He was trying to um, use his power to liberate people, his people from the cruelty of slavery. Uh, and just when he had put his decision into action, it seems like God abandoned him. And this particular day, this particular day that we've just read, was just a routine day. Nothing to set it apart from any other day. He was just doing the same old stuff. Now, I have a brother called Jeff, and Jeff has this little habit. I'd say to him, hi, Jeff, how's things going? And he always says to me, Phil, it's just the same stuff. It's just a different day. Same stuff, different day. But it's in routine days like this that everything changes when we encounter God. So here's my first point, and I've just got three, all right? First point, a little bit in between them now, but there we go. Um, in an encounter with God, he meets you just where you are. Look at this. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest in Midian, and he led them to the back of the desert. God meets you in ordinary activities. This is the beauty of this. Moses was having an ordinary day, no forewarning that anything 
um, outlandish would happen. There was nobody around as far as the eye could see, no spectacular, um, that something spectacular was about to happen. There was none of that. In fact, Moses' last 40 years had been ordinary, routine, boring, listening to the monotonous bleeding of sheep, nurturing them, leading them to pasture, protecting them. And that's exactly where God meets you. That's my message today. He meets you in the ordinary activities in ordinary places. The back of the desert was just an ordinary place. Nothing special about that at all. Nothing to write home about. And that's where we often encounter God. And we miss it all the time. All right, he breaks into our lives in just ordinary days while we're doing ordinary things in ordinary places when we least expect it. Edwin Burke, who was an 18th century philosopher, said, history is full of momentous trifles. I love that. History is full of momentous trifles. What he meant by that is um, that on the surface, he meant that experiences, while on the surface might seem ordinary, can actually be very extraordinary. And we need to be aware that God's presence can happen in the ordinary. And the problem is in the Western civilization, we're so busy, we have no margins to connect with them. That's what happens. And we miss them all the time. Encounters with God aren't necessarily ecstatic experiences. They can happen right in the shop where you work. They can happen in the school you attend. They can happen in your desk in the office at home as you're looking after children. We had such a little encounter. I was sitting with Rick and Ruth came in. um, I think it was Thursday, not sure. And it was just a little God encounter, 20 minutes. But I went home thinking, God, I'm I'm so glad we had a margin for that. I'm so glad we had a margin for that conversation. That meant something. It was a God conversation. So we encounter God. He meets you where you are. Secondly, an encounter with God, He attracts you to Himself. It says that when Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush doesn't burn. And when the Lord saw, I had that encounter many years ago. And it was in the 90s doing a, a, a retreat. I've told you this often for, um, for Youth for Christ up and given. And I, I talked in this story so many times, but I never saw that before. When the Lord saw, when the Lord saw that he got his attention, God spoke to him. I wonder how many times... God tries to get our attention, and we just keep on walking. We just keep on walking because we're busy. In the ordinary course of this day, Moses sees a bush on fire, nothing extraordinary, nothing unusual about that. In fact, it was quite common for shrubs to catch fire, um, but the bush didn't burn up. So he says, it's a great sight. Moses probably seen many shrubs on fire, um, but this warranted further investigation because it was a great sight. And, um, and of course, the great sight was that the presence of God was there. And we've all had these burning bush experiences when God gets our attention in the ordinary events um, of life to show the extraordinary. And while he creates an uncommon event out of what would otherwise be quite common, there's no doubt that God is now acting and speaking. And so I'd love you to ask yourself the question, how has God been attracting your attention recently? Perhaps it's the birth of a baby that generated a sense of awe and wonder in you, and you've just kept on walking. Maybe it's a life-changing tragedy that God is speaking to you through. Or perhaps someone shared your faith, or shared 
you, you shared your faith with somebody and they've got saved and, um, and you, you maybe missed their, that recognizing that that's just the awesome sense of God. We miss some of these things. It's so easy to overlook a burning bush experience and just to keep walking because at first glance, it looks so ordinary. The presence of God is a very powerful thing. So just don't write it all as mere coincidence. Look for God's hand in it. Listen for God's voice in it. Sit up and take notice. Recognize his interruption in your life. That's really important, all right? Now, Moses could have easily thought this was just another instance of um, spontaneous combustion. He, just another bunch of nomads had camped here the night before and hadn't put their campfire out properly or lightning had struck again. He could have just kept on walking, but he didn't. He noticed something. And, and, and so what I'm saying to you this morning, <clears throat> we need to be sensitive. We need to be sensitive for the burning bushes that are not consumed. They happen all around us, I believe. And yet we so often fail to recognize most people just keep on walking. Disasters occur and they just keep on walking. Unexpected victories occur uh, and they just keep on walking. And what you think, I, don't, I, I, I can't even imagine how that just got figured out or how that worked out. And yet we just keep on walking. We don't stop to look for God in this or we just shrug it off and pass by on the other side with no time, no feeling and no interest. Remember, what an encounter with God is. He meets you where you are. He attracts you to himself. These are times when God says, I've not forgotten you. I've been watching you. Now I'm going to use you. I'm present and powerful in your life. God attracts you to himself by appearing in a burning bush, and God attracts you to himself by calling your name. I love this little line. He says to him, Moses, Moses, God is personal. And he relates to you as an individual. He relates to you in who you are. I love that verse in Isaiah 43. Thus says the Lord who created you, fear not for I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. He may not speak audibly to us, but he speaks directly to our hearts and to our minds and to our consciences and wills through his word and through his spirit. And when God calls you by name, please be ready to respond because Moses was just like me as a schoolboy at 11, standing on a little bridge in between two hills, responding to the call of God, saying, here I am. I'm in the right place at just the right time. You mightn't think it, but you're just in the right place at the right time. And you're here this morning, and God is calling your name. I love this about Moses. There's no rebellion. He didn't say, where were you when I needed you back in Egypt 40 years ago? <laughs> he could have easily said, he just stopped what he was doing, and he listened. When God called, just stop. And listen, he doesn't want a speech and reply. He doesn't want to hear your resume. He doesn't want to hear you, how great you think you are. He just wants to hear you say, here I am. I'm camping at the source. I'm longing for your presence. He wants you just to stand still and see the salvation of God. He wants to be still. He wants you to be still and know that He is God in your life. He wants you to stop, to look, to listen to His voice, to His whisper. He speaks through the Spirit when we take time to pray and to listen. Time. Time. There's one thing you need to get the presence of God. It's time. Rick mentioned the word linger. If you don't make time 
you will miss it every time. If you don't make time for his presence, you will miss it every time. He reveals himself through his word. Every time I sit in that word, when I give it time, he speaks. Every single time. Without doubt. And um, this is the thing. And sometimes like Samuel, we don't know his voice or we maybe don't recognize it. But at least we can be responsive and say, here am I. In an encounter with God, he meets you where you are. He attracts you to himself. And thirdly, in an encounter with God, he reveals who he is. And I love this. He says, don't draw near. Take your sandals off. The presence of God cannot be defiled. What do shoes do? Well, they bring in dirt from the outside. That's why we take them off indoors. And, and I, I was looking through some of these verses, and I was so pleased that James's songs and Rick's comments around communion uh, this morning because the holiness of God, God demands that we be holy because he's holy. And, um, and Moses was on holy ground, already separated by and for God. And so God wasn't saying, he wasn't saying, Moses, don't draw near. He was just saying, don't draw near as you are. Something's got to be, something's got to be dealt with. And so this transcendent, holy God, sovereign God of the universe can only dwell among and be approached by holy people. Hebrews 10 tells us, and Titus 3 tells us, people who have been washed with the pure water of the word and whose hearts have been sprinkled from an evil conscience. This holy God is present with us. He identifies with us. He delights in us. And the God who is up there is the God who's in here. And the God who's in here is the God who's in here. Like that transcends all our thought patterns, doesn't it? Paul would say to Colossians, one Christ in me, the hope of glory. This condition of his dwelling among us is that we be holy for he is holy in God's presence. The ground on which you stand is holy and everything connected with him is holy because he is holy. And, um, and so we can't be buddy-buddy with God. He's not just a big guy upstairs and he is transcendent. He is holy other than us. He's beyond us, but he's also imminent in that he's Emmanuel, God with us, which is so beautiful. And that's the mystery of faith, that this transcendent God whose thoughts are way higher than ours and ways are higher than ours enters our lives through the person of Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder it tells us Moses hid his face? <laughs> when we get into the presence of God, the more I get to know God and the more I love God, the more I hide my face when his presence appears because I see my unworthiness, I see my unholiness, and I think, God, I, I don't know why you chose me, but you did. And that's what happens with an encounter with God. But take courage, because an encounter with God, I love this, it tells us that he had heard the cries of his people. God is a redeeming God. He's not just a God of judgment, he's a redeeming God. He takes notice of his people, and contrary to what you may think, based on your present circumstances, God hears you, he knows you, and whether you're a single mother, or whether you're an unemployed father, or you're depressed today, God is a redeeming God who takes notice of his people, and God is a redeeming God who actually delivers his people. He says, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the people. And then thirdly and lastly, he is a, he is a God who is a sends someone. He says to Moses, I'm going to send you 
All right, that's how God delivers his people, by sending a Savior, our Savior. And deliverer, of course, is none other than Jesus Christ, the one who was despised and rejected by men, is the one whom God chose to be our, sent to be our Savior so that we could be saved for eternity. And that's the most head-turning event in all of human history. That's even better than bumping into Nigel Mansell. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And that's the story that Christians will never come to the end of saying, You'll never guess what happened to me. I bet you Barry could say that. You'll never guess what happened to me. I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. God saved me. That's what we say, isn't it? It's the most incredible thing. <laughs> and, and if you're not a Christian in here, you can be um, redeemed by this God. Do You can be redeemed from Satan to God. You can be redeemed from sin to holiness. You can be redeemed from addictions this morning to freedom. You can be redeemed from your anger to peace. You can be redeemed to, from hate to love. I imagine when Moses got home that day, the first thing he said to Zipporah was, you will never guess what happened to me today. You will never guess who I bumped into today. No, not Nigel Mansell. I met God at a burning bush you remember that God I told you about that I, 40 years ago that he's been silent, he hadn't spoke to me for 40 years? You know that God that I thought was non-existent? You know that God that I, I'd sort of packed in on and thought he was, wasn't relevant in my life anymore? You know that God? Well, I met him today. I met him. I, had, I, I saw him with these eyes. I heard him with these ears. I feel like I'm going to explode. I imagine that's how he came home today. And, uh, and I, I wondered this morning... If you are on fire for God, I wondered, have you encountered God in the ordinary events of your life? Or when was the last time God had your attention? And how did it happen? And what did he reveal to you? And how did you respond? And did you just keep on walking and miss it? And James is going to come and we're going to pray for a moment or two. Um, perhaps you're discouraged. Perhaps you wanted to serve God and you felt that he abandoned you at some stage in life. Alexander McLaren talked about, um, in one of his books, he talked about being at a children's party and they were blowing bubbles. And he said the, the kids blew the bubble and the bubble, this, this bubble rose and he says it was beautiful. And he says it went across the sunlight. He could see all the multicolor splendor of the bubble. And then it, and he realized it was just, it was just a spot of soapy water. And some Christians live the bubble life. It looks splendid. And it looks okay on the outside. But really, when hard times come, it just pops. And it's just a spot of murky water. And I'd love us to pray. I wonder this morning, a few things that I'd love to pray for. I wonder if you've, if you've once had a promise from God and it's never been fulfilled. I wonder if, you've had, if God has spoke to you. When God spoke to me as a boy of 11, I felt I would do something like I did when I was 38. But do the maths between 38 and 11. When I was carrying coal through the streets of Craigavon in snowy days, I felt abandoned by God. I thought I, I just got the message all wrong. But sometimes it's not the message you've got wrong. It's the timing you've got wrong. <laughs> Joseph in a pet, 17 years later, his brothers crawl in. They think, oh, got that message right, just got the timing wrong. On and on I could go.
And I just wondered this morning if some, some, of, the peop- some of you in the room have had a, a promise of God that has yet to be fulfilled and maybe there's just a little bit of discouragement and there's a little bit of you just feeling, is it ever going to happen? And maybe I should just give up. Secondly, I, I felt if there's people in the room that just want a fresh encounter, a new yielding to his hand, a new here am I, Lord, that you're just saying this morning, God, I'm here, I want you to use me. And the last thing that I'd love to pray for, I had a dream last night, and God speaks to me in dreams. And I had a vivid dream of a couple who I felt were dead. (laughs) And I laid hands on them, and God raised them from the dead. And there's lots more to the dream that I could say, but that was, the, the con, the, I suppose, the big crux of it. And when I woke, I said to the Lord, God, did I just eat che- I had a bit of cheese last night. I had a, was it cheese or was it you? And I felt it was God. And I felt God said to me that there was a couple in here this morning and um, something in you has died. Now, I don't know whether it's relationally or whether it's in context with um, your children or whether it's just a dream that you had together. Um, But I felt when I laid hands on you that hope resurrected, that it rose rose to life again. And if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. So let's bow our heads. Just as time's gone, so we'll just take a, a, a little moment. If any of those things that I've just said appeal to you, would you stand to your feet? Because I'd love to pray for you. If you're that couple, I'd love you to come and see me afterwards. I'm not going to call you to the front now, but if you're that couple, I'd love to lay my hands on you. But if any of those things appeal to you, you heard the call, um, a promise, but not just fulfilled yet still. And there's been maybe a little bit of, oh, will it ever come to pass? Or a fresh encounter, a new yielding to his hand. Or, or you're saying this morning, God, I'm here. Let's, would you stand and let me pray for you just as we close? Father, we realize this morning how we sometimes just miss the ordinary, miss you in the ordinary. Because we're so busy looking for the big flashing lights. We're so busy looking for the big things. We miss you in the getting up in the middle of night to a sick child. <laughs> we miss you in cleaning down a messy table after your kids have eaten their tea. We miss you when a colleague walks into the office and has had a bad day or a bad night and you end up giving a little bit of counsel. We miss you in these simple little things and yet you're all over them. Thank you that you use us, God. Help us to look for you in the ordinary. And so God, I pray this morning that you would just minister to every person standing right now by your strength that you'd minister hope. Lord, I just pray for that fresh declaration. Here am I, God. Here am I. I'm in the right place, right time. God, would you use me? God, for that resurrected promise that you've has lay dormant for years to the point maybe where it's almost like at a point of will it ever happen or maybe I got it wrong, a bit like Joseph or Scripture's full of references to that. 
So God, would you just minister to each and every person by your strength right now. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill each person by your power. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.